It's best from afar, but far from the best. It's better than good. It's good, better. Quest. For this one, I actually don't want to do the typical intro. I just want to jump into um, the thing. Is that cool with you? Well, joke's on you because that's the intro. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So, Yardy. Yes. It's night and the moon is full and bright. With the light from the moon coupled from your dark vision, you actually don't need any lights on in the artificery what what's yardy working on in the artificery tonight like what what's what's he doing he's just working on his guns after the last mission he is reflecting on some conversations that he's had with blackrod jim about upgrading his guns and making sure that they work and his misfired on him at such inopportune times so many times in this last mission that he is serious about making sure they work better yeah so he is not a diligent student but he is headstrong so he's putting time in to make sure that he is just getting them to a functioning standard i guess is how we'll put it okay so as you're working you know, you're, you're moving around the artificery. You're alone in here tonight, but that's that's fine. You you and Sharith uh, actually have keys to the artificery, I think. Just because, you know, you, you come in and you work on stuff in the middle of the night. Although, I might be projecting here because that's what I did in, in college in the theater department. No, I did that. I did that in the geology department, too. So. Okay, cool. Different species, you know, different, different uh, sleep schedules. I can see that. Yeah, exactly. Um... So, as you're working, your eyes land on the oculus in the ceiling of the workshop. The furnaces all in the center of the room usually uh, let smoke billow out into this, uh, or sorry, out of this oculus in the ceiling. But tonight you're alone, and the furnaces aren't really burning. And looking through the oculus you begin to remember as you see the moon through it. Nolan, tell me about the well. Tell me about Yardy and the well. Yardy has a problem with interactions with other species. I think he does. He and Sharif get along pretty well. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah. They, you know, they, they've got the whole tabaxi thing going for him, so they, they communicate well. But he doesn't have the easiness that Sharif has in dealing with other types of humanoids. And when he was younger, before he got to college, he thought he had a friend in this dwarf who 
took him out and and showed him things. And Yardi was, of course, extremely curious and wanted to see all the things that his dwarven friend had to show him. And one day, his dwarven friend took him to a mostly abandoned village where there was an old well. And his friend points to the well and says, you know, there's treasure down at the bottom. And Yardi, being extremely trusting, leans over into the well and goes, oh, wow, well, I would definitely like to. And while he's leaning, the dwarf kind of tabletops him. He gets down on his knees and hoists Yardi into the well. Yardi's not strong for a tabaxi, so he falls and he lands in the well. And it's too far for him to, to climb up. And, and he looks up and he sees his dwarven friend, quote unquote, and he chuckles. Uh-huh, that, that, that was good. Uh, could you maybe throw down a rope now? <clears throat> and when he looks up again, there's no shadows, there's no heads, there's nobody above him. He's by himself. Yardi stays down in the well trying to get out for about 10 days before somebody came to help him. So that's, I want to stop you there because this is, that's that's just kind of how Yardi remembered it. That's That's how... You know, the, the moment was traumatic and, you know, getting out of it was just kind of a blur. He, he, he was hungry and thirsty and, and it was just awful. Definitely. But at that point, Yardi is, I wouldn't say hallucinating, but 10 days without food. Oh, yeah. You know, he's he is in a bad state and um, he just remembers the claustrophobic imprisonment. He doesn't really remember the release. But tonight you do. And in this moment, you know, remembering this, it's it's been a 10 day in the well and you see the moon line up with the opening of the well. It's full and bright. And with the light from the moon coupled with your dark vision, you notice a glow uh, appear. And... It's a symbol on one of the stones. And as you look at it, you see another symbol glow on the on another stone further up. And as you follow it, you see that it's essentially all these symbols glowing in the stone are making a ladder out of the stones. And some of the stones that are glowing begin to uh, uh, edge out a little bit to become easier to become like a, uh, a foothold or a rung for you to climb out. When, when you get out at the top of the well, there is a flat stone with a luminescent silver blanket. And on the blanket is a loaf of brown bread, a block of hearty cheese, and a full bucket of crystal clear drinking water. Yardy's in that without hesitation he's he knows that he can make up for it later if he needs to but food is his first priority at this moment um he's he is just shoving this stuff into his mouth just purring at this point and just saying thank you thank you thank you thank you in between bites as he's as he's just tucking in here you notice in the reflection of the water you can see the moon behind you and you see the silhouette of your head 
uh, in front of the moon and you see the silhouette of a woman behind you now and you feel a cool hand on your shoulder and with it a, a sense of calm. I think he slows down while he's eating, but at the same time, he's almost scared to look at this woman. So he he slows down and thinks about it. I think his tail comes up and touches the woman's hand, not in a scared, like you're going to kill me, but in a, a I need this comfort. And, and he rests and closes his eyes. And then I think he passes out. He awakens the next morning with a blanket over him. It's just a very nice silk, silver blanket. I I like to imagine that maybe you've described to me how Yardy dresses is very kind of colonial, uh, uh, just just colonial Williamsburg guy. I absolutely would it would it be safe to say that maybe like at, over the years this blanket has been important to him and you know it's it's become frayed and torn and at this point he's like whittled it down to like an ascot or something yeah i was gonna say i think he's got a um what are they called that go in pocket square pocket square he's got a yeah um he always wears a coat so there's the reason you haven't seen it yet (laughs) (laughs) but i i think at this point it's it's so worn and tattered that he's he's got it as a pocket square inside of his vest and he he just keeps it there at all times coming back to the present you feel this cool hand on your shoulder again and looking at the reflective surface of the workbench in front of you you see her again and she says to you i'm glad glad you remember remember. it's It's been been a long long time. time Yardy. Yardy puts his tools down and he he puts his hands in his lap and he does the same thing where his tail touches her hand and he says since that happened I have been trying to fight to find who I am and after this experience getting back from this quest I realized that fighting hasn't been enough. I can't protect my friends I was barely able to protect myself I I need help and this this has made me realize that I can't do it with just a gun he's not turning around but he's trying to look her in the eye in the reflection you have a hard time making out her her facial features but you get the sense that you're looking in in that general direction but and you are positive that she is making eye contact with you through this reflection and she says it's, it's hard, hard to, to do, do things, things alone and we all need help here and there if you want to be able to keep the ones you love safe i am happy to help with that as well and then she's gone. Yeah, Yardy Yardy is now 
taking a few steps in the path of being a cleric of Salune. Uh, with, with, what was it, two levels of cleric? Um, I'm actually only going to do one level. Okay. Uh, so that I can get some more bonuses as fighters. So it's going to be uh, six fighter and one cleric for now. But I will be taking additional levels as cleric. And I, I am going, just for, for people who care about the meta, I'm going war domain. You've, you've told me some fucking broken ass shit. I'm so excited. That. Yeah, no, that's, it's, <laughs> it's going to be pretty good. Durak. So, Durak, you've been spending time with Professor Hollowind um, after everything, and you've been getting more closely acquainted with her and nature and the woods, and you know she's she's taught you a few things about survival that you've you've never considered, like in in the woods outside the school. I think one day she she cuts uh, a bamboo shoot and uh, she hands it to you and just inside is the most crisp, refreshing water you've ever had in your life. You know, she, she just helps you find things like this. What kind of things do you think that Durak picks up on his own while studying this? Like, like just, just some survivalist things he's gotten. Yeah, um... So Durak finds himself kind of on all fours a lot, um, kind of uh, uh, studying the, um, the, the, the flora and uh, trying to sort of figure out what makes things grow, what, what makes things work. And um, his, time's been, his time's been very divided because on one hand, he is a, a warrior through and through. And, um, and, and he spends a lot of time working on those martial skills. Um, and, and that's been a big part of his sort of daily activity. Um, and although he only meets with Rose a couple of times a week, uh, every night, um, after his roommates have gone to sleep, he, um, quietly gets up and, uh, and he, and he walks out, uh, in a field, uh, near the university uh, and and he practices and he and he, and he does, tries to tries to find all the cool shit that Rose has been telling him to find. Uh, he's trying to like talk to the animals and sometimes that works better than others. He's he's in he's in this field one night and um, and he and he's on he's on all fours and he's he's trying to he's he's trying to find an exception to the rule on a particular plant and. Uh, he, he finds himself thinking about um, that time on the ship when he sort of hunkered down and ran across the deck to tackle the, uh, the, the hippo man. And he, and he gets to thinking about that. And he finds himself sort of raising up on his haunches a little bit. And his, his hands turn into fists as they sort of dig into the ground. And he remembers what it felt like. And he remembers distinctly feeling like Ursine, like 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 a bear, and he remembers Sootpaw in that moment. And um, as as he's thinking about this, he feels sort of a, a shiver uh, in his body, and he feels as if he's going 
to get bigger and that makes no sense to him and as he feels his body begin to grow he shakes himself out of it and he's sort of gripped with fear and with confusion i want to i want to stop you there yeah 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 i i i, I want to take it back to he stops himself okay let's do it and i think as as he looks around to you know before he he leaves I think you see a hawk come from the sky and change into Professor Hollowind as as the hawk nears the ground and she does a a three point landing, you know, a, a hero landing, and she approaches you and she says, "Well, that was no." What the hell was that? I uh. I don't really know if I'm complete. Wait, which one? Me turning into a person or you almost turning into a bear? Direct gets down on all fours again and he is completely defenseless. This is this thing he feels is more powerful uh, than than his pride or than his his senses. And he gets on all fours, but he's not it's not like he's bowing in front of Rose. Uh, so much as he is assuming a posture that his body wants to make more than his mind understands why it wants to make it. I, I think Rose sees this, this, you know, this change in directs normally just, just strong, sure demeanor. And she kneels down. She, she doesn't put a hand on you. She tries to keep a, a respectable distance and she says I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to know that you're safe I want you to know that I'm not gonna let anything happen to you and I, I just want you to let this feeling roll over you like the waters of the endless river direct looks up at her um, and uh for a minute, he, he looks at her, sort of unsure, and then his face steals, and uh, he sucks a big breath in through his nose, and uh, as he does, he feels that shudder run through his body, and he experiences something akin to ecstasy and horrible pain uh, in the same moment as his body breaks and shifts and morphs. Uh, and he still feels like himself. He is still Durak in his mind, but his whole physiology has changed. And, and he's standing there on all fours as a bear and his, his fur is, is shaggy and almost white. Uh, with a sort of gray-blue tint beneath it, and it feels right. And he stands on his back legs and stretches and growls a little bit and sort of in a characteristic motion, rudely sort of scratches his belly. <laughs> and, uh, and, he, and, he, and he drops back to the earth and um, he sort of nuzzle, nuzzles the um, the uh, the hat that's uh, that's fallen off his head uh, on the ground. Here, all right, hold up. Here's a question for you, Doug. 
do you want the hat to fall off him when he becomes a bear? Because it can stick with him when he's a bear if you want. I mean, it'd be funnier if it stuck with him. Yeah, right? no, absolutely. All right, so all, it's, right, all, right it's, all right, No, we'll we'll leave that in like that. Right, on. <laughs> like, right. Okay, so so now the hat changes. The hat the hat changes with him. I love that. Oh, the hat I changes with so him much. to to fit his head. Oh my god, because the hat's magical. Yeah. He looks around on the ground. And he sees his bear blanket, uh, and he remembers Sootpaw, and he sees uh, his his skirts also on the ground, and he looks around frantically for his for his hat, but then it sort of bobbles in front of his eye, and uh, <laughs> sort of sweeps into his vision, and he realizes he's still wearing his hat, and he looks down between his front paws, down at his back paws. And sure enough, although most of him is gray and shaggy, his back feet are black. Black like soot paws. Black like his boots. Professor Hollowind stands up straight and she looks at you and says, Fantastic. All right. I know what we're working with here. I'm proud of you. Next thing we're going to work on, changing... We're, we're going to work on Wild Shape a little bit more, bud. Uh, but I'm going to show you how you, you keep your clothes and shit inside you when, when you do it. And and she kind of chuckles. And uh, over the next few days, she treats you about Druid. The, the Druidic path. Um... She, she explains, okay, I might have been teaching you your barbarian path a little wrong. You, you, you wound up gaining more druidic magic. Do what uh, now? I expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I've been teaching you about nature, which is good, but I, I think it sets you down a, a different path. I'm, I'm very sorry about that. I hope that's all right with you. I'm an accidental druid. And he sort of chuggles. He sort of chuggles. And uh, and he looks at her. And as much as he, like, on the surface, wants to rebel against this, this new sense of, of self and this, this new knowledge, um, he knows deep, 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 deep down um, that this is exactly what he's meant for. Uh, and, and so as... As, as he feels himself growing stronger, as he feels himself uh, becoming a, a more adept uh, uh, warrior and student, uh, one evening he, um, he, he finds himself in front of um, Professor uh, Ivalo's uh, home and, uh, and he, knocks, he knocks on the door uh, and he's got a, he's got a jug of, um, of brandy in his hand uh, he just happened to come across. And uh, he wants to share it with uh, with Ivilo, so he's knocking on the door. Is this? Hold on, Ivilo's the artificing. Oh shit! Uh, shit! 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 <laughs> I meant the combat uh, guy. Is What's it his the name? combat one? Yeah, uh, Grindelwald Godborn. Godborn. Okay, okay. I got this then. All right. <clears throat> Blah, you're, you're good. Sorry, Wait, no, no. Leave it in. It's more fun that way. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so, so he goes. He goes to Ivilo's house. He knocks on the door, and Ivilo answers the door, and he realizes he's going to the wrong spot. And so, <laughs> and so he goes to. 
he goes to Godborn's house, and by now though he's drank some of the brandy out of the out of the bottle, <laughs> and uh, and he and he gets to uh, uh, he gets to his professor's door, and he knocks on the door, and, and he waits for an answer. Yeah, no, Godborn Godborn opens, and he's actually got uh, a glass of brandy in his hand. Um, he says, "Oh, this is quite a coincidence." What can I do for you, Mr. Ironhide? So Durek uh, looks at his glass, opens his bottle and tops it off, and takes a, a real big like slug of it himself, uh, and he goes, All right, look, Professor, this is this might be weird. It's only weird if you make it weird. You know, better than anybody, that I like stomping ass and taking names right yeah all right good here's the other part of this um i could i can be a bear sometimes professor godborn downs his uh his glass and he says well if that's the case i would ask that you try your best not to get scratch marks on the the arena floor but Worst case scenario, it is magic, and I can clean it up. So, just, uh, be careful. Don't kill your teammate, don't kill your fellow students as we practice combat in the ring. Uh, I would hate to add claws to my wall of shame. Durek stops him, he puts up a hand, and, um, he fills his glass back up. Um... And he says, he says, look, I don't, you don't understand. I, uh, I got a calling and, uh, I, I got to follow this thing. And so, look, I appreciate everything you taught me. I make, I, I got nothing but respect for you. Uh, but, uh, I gotta, I gotta move on now. I'm going to be switching over to Druidic Studies and uh, I was wondering if uh, maybe a couple of times a week or so I come over here just to just to stay sharp. Godwin raises raises his eyebrows. It's uh, he's surprised, but he uh, he nods and he says, "Durek, no matter what path you go down, if you would like help or training in the combat arts, you are always welcome in my arena." Uh, Durak raises the bottle and uh, just turns around and walks away uh, because he still has work to do. Still has work to do. When so you goes, raise, when you raise the bottle, he thinks you're about to pour against. Oh, okay, no, I. <laughs> I thought you were just going to take two levels in Druid. Are you going to take? Are I'm you gonna going to take full my six. No, I'm going to take my. Yeah, I am. I am going to go full Druid. Uh, I'm going to take my sixth level in Barbarian, and then I'm going full Lunar uh, Moon Circle Druid. Nice, dude. Okay. Yeah, right, this cool. is a hard decision. I've been thinking about this for a minute, and uh, I'm yeah. really, really excited about it. Cash. I, I imagine that after all this, you're you're gonna want to go straight to the mean steed, right? Oh yeah, gotta go back, 
you know, I'm sure mom's been worried about me. And first thing I want to do is check on Helios and Irma, especially because I got that crystal burning a hole in my pocket that I want to yeah. give to my grandpa. It's still glowing. It's, it's like when you leave your, um, your flashlight on your phone on in your pocket, <laughs> Ex- except it's like changing colors and, and, so when you when you come to the mean steed, you see kind of a an uncommon sight. You you see a few regulars scattered here and there. You do see your mom at the bar, but most noticeably you see Helios and Irma sitting at a table in front of the the small stage of the inn facing the door. Helios has his his long nightgown tucked into a pair of pants. Uh, with the tail kind of like sticking out of the fly. And Irma's wearing a really old dress, but she's still got the hanger in the back of it. And your mother sees you and, and she gives you a big hug and, and, you know, she's happy that you're okay. And she she says, I'm happy to see you, dear, but they've been sitting here since you left. What What did you tell them? Since I left, I just told them that I was going to take my exam and, and that I was nervous and I just wanted some of their advice. I didn't think I'd keep them up. Oh my god. They, well, they, they've they gotten up. They they haven't just stayed at the table 24-7. They, you, you know, I've, I've been taking care of them, you know. I know, it's just... But- I mean, patrons have been seeing them like this. They probably think we have two homeless people trying to get into the tavern. I, you know, she she looks around at, at some of the regulars and, and she says, the people that mind don't matter and the people that matter won't mind. You have a point. Well, uh, if you don't mind, uh, apparently they've been waiting. So... Let me scoot on over to them and and uh, try and coax them back upstairs. <laughs> she she says absolutely, and and she before you walk over there, she hands you a, uh, a what's what's Cash's drink of choice? Like it it, it doesn't have to be alcoholic. I I feel like growing up in the tavern, it's got to be something alcoholic. I wanna let's go for a big hearty glass of mead. Let's just go for it. Something Fuck yeah. high in alcohol, <laughs> you know, but it's like he's grown up most of his life, you know, I'm sure sneaking sips and drinks here and there, <laughs> you know, growing so up. He, he's built a tolerance to mead, just mead, so it's like hill people milk for him. <laughs> right. It's like, uh, it's like on Parks and Rec when Juan Swanson drinks that, uh, oh, yeah. the Swanson family mash liquor and it's like no yeah. big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I want it to be like that. <laughs> You you head over the table with this this big flagon, and as soon as they see you, Helios and Irma smile, and you see Helios uh, pull a chair, and he says, "Cash, come, I, I want to hear all about it. What did you bring me?" Oh, I'll get. I promise, I brought you something, and and I try to like stifle the glowing. You know, I just kind of put my hand over the spot. I don't want to ruin the surprise yet. You know, I as I want to build up to this moment. So, uh, give them a big hug, and you know, Mom says you've been down here since I left. I I didn't mean to worry you when I left. Um, but here, here, I'll uh, I'll, I'll recount the whole tale for you. It's 
it's a great one. And Cash proceeds to tell them all about, you know, the the dog, the talking animals and the ghost and how I, I almost tragically died giving up my whole life for Durak. And I don't mention that Durak was the half-orc because I'm not trying to go down that road with uh, the grandparents right now. We're, we're in the tavern. Everyone would hear. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's too public. I'm not trying to. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I get to the end and I say, and then... You'll never believe it. I transformed my whole body into the hippo. And I climbed victoriously to the top of the ship. And I grabbed him by the collar. And I took him down with me. And that's how I saved the day. Oh, and let me tell ya. And then I got a big ol' smooch from the fine, mysterious lady who's been helping us <laughs> out the whole time. <laughs> At you you see them as you tell this story, like their eyes light up, and you notice that Helios begins to sit up more straight, and Irma's hands shake less as she lifts her mug to her lips, and they both laugh and, and holler uproariously throughout the whole thing. And this is more lucid. Mm -hmm. Then you've seen them in a long time, and Helios gives you a, a hearty pat on the shoulder, and he, he says, I knew you'd do it! I knew you would whoop ass out there, just like your old man, just like your old pap! <laughs> you know, you, uh, you gave me the inspiring words that I needed before I left, and, uh, oh, that brings me to, uh, what I brought you back! You'll never believe it's from another... Planet! Ooh. Ooh! Actually, it's another star. I... I don't know. Astron astrology... Astron it's not my strong suit. That's what I keep the lady around for, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I don't know what a star is either. And Irma, Irma shakes her head and says, I ain't seen a star since 16... Cash is so used to this. He just... He's like... Oh, I've been gone for a little bit. I need to <laughs> sink back into this. Uh, Cash pulls out the glowing crystal and tries to hold it in his hands without them seeing it, but I'm sure it's glowing through his, oh, you know, yeah. his fingers and, and sets it on the table in between them uh, and leans back and says, Well, what do you think? I've never seen anything like this, have you? Uh, the, the two of them uh, are both gobsmacked. And they both reach for it, and, and Helios actually backs up when he sees Irma go for it, and she says, Did you get this from a GIF ship? I, I think Grandma's pronounced uh, GIF ship, but, uh, yes. I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense to me, but okay. She looks at Helios, and, and she paps him with her hand, and she says, You remember that guy we fought? That, that one? A long time ago? And Helios was like, Yeah, no, I, I remember we fought... We fought a GIF a while ago. It, it was... And he begins to retell this story. And, and Irma jumps in with him. And they're moving with life. And jumping like they're half their age. And they recant a tale of sneaking into a cultist lair run by a GIF. And, and how Helios attempted to pass off a halfling under his robe as a, a hunch that he had disguised as a disguised as a cultist and <laughs> he, 
He says, and the jig was almost up. They almost had me. And then at the last minute, I chucked the halfling at him, and it tore him to shreds like a cat in a Quaker Oats box. It was, it was intense. Tore him down to nothing with two knives. Climbed down him like, like a mountain he did. And Irma said, yep, I seen the whole thing. It was gross. But, you know, we still managed to save the town. And that's why they hit us in, they, they hung us up in the Hall of Fame. That's, that's, we, we up in there. And the crowd that has gathered around you now to watch them recant this tale claps. And they, they begin to disperse. Helios and Irma sit back down. Irma's hands begin to shake again. And Helios looks at Cash and, and smiles. And he says, It's good to see you. You remind me of my grandson. He goes to the Fair University. Do you know him? You know, I I hear there's a very handsome, uh, very smart, upcoming, not scared at all bard who does attend uh, a Fair University. He's already uh, making a name for himself, just like you two did. He, he slams his hand on the table he says that's him and it 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 seems like he's he's having a goof but like as as you look at him you you see his eyes are vacant and he he doesn't know but for a a brief moment they were themselves again as far as leveling goes kate are you just gonna go further into the the bard i'm taking one level in bard and another level in bard (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right cool i just wanted to make sure i was like shit i really hope that i didn't do this this sweet cool scene and she actually wanted to fucking go down a, a special path yes i'm actually a barbarian now <laughs> a barbarian a barbarian let's <laughs> rotate one to the left On your way back to your dorm, you pass the Hall of Infamy and the Hall of Fame, and you actually see Helios and Irma, their portrait, like right up at the front of the the Hall of Fame, and you see another painting in the Hall of Infamy that you never would have noticed before, because how could you? You'd never seen her face before. In this painting, right at the front of the Hall of Infamy is the white-haired drow femme fatale. In the black and white painting, she smirks in front of a list of what you can only assume are her crimes. The nameplate below reads, Moth Araushni Baltana. Dead or alive, bounty immeasurable. Nolan, can we can we end the episode at Bounty Immeasurable? Yeah, no shit. Cool. <laughs> no, we're gonna end the episode with me screaming at the end. Jesus yeah. Christ!
Hey everybody, and thanks for listening to Good Better Quest. Our Fungin Master is David Holman, our players are Kate Keyes, Doug Holly, and Nolan Lacey. This episode, edited by David Holman. Intro music, Prelude of Space, provided by My Instant Lunch. Background music, provided by Kevin McLeod. If you've enjoyed listening to our show, please drop us a review on iTunes or the platform of your choice. It would be a great help. As always, stay safe, and thank you for listening. Thank you.